Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are on the... We're trying hard to make it through, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm heartbroken. Well, we have an All-Ireland final to preview, lads, which is very, very important, but there's only one place to start, and that's with you, Cheddar. You're a dark horse anyways. Um, I had to hear this news. I heard this news <laughs> two weeks ago off Brian Carroll, and I told him I don't believe you. <laughs> um, I don't know how you'd have heard it two weeks ago, because I didn't know it myself at that stage. But anyway, <laughs> I'm here and there. Um, uh, ah, look, it's something, uh, Willie, that obviously came up, um, and um, I had... I suppose plans to go in a in a, in a different place, and um, uh, clearly, um, you know, the, the the opportunity came up or the issue came up, um, and I was approached to go for it. And anyway, look, there's you know how these things happen, um, and um, I was ra- only ratified actually, what is it, a night or two ago there, you know. So uh, anyway, looking looking forward uh, to the job. Um, clearly, I was there before, um, you know, know the team well. Um, lot of work ahead of us. Firstly, I'd say a big thanks to Eddie and to Niall and to Tommy for the work that they've done. I was always a lead supporter in following the team. Um, so, you know, to, to put the team in a good place and, you know, it's up to us now to build on that and, and I suppose, you know, seek out other improvements. Um, we just need to really, I suppose, maximize, maximize the talent that's in the county and, and just improve in every aspect that we can and get it to perform to the best that we can um, look, it was like last year. Uh, National hurling league is coming down the track very, very quickly here. If you take Westmead's group last year, a very, very, very tough division to be in. Um, so we need to be ready to hit the ground running there. So, so you know, we, we need to get going uh, quickly and be ready for this. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, a little birdie tells me that you were the player's choice, which must have been a nice thing to hear. 
style. I wouldn't comment on any of those things, Wooly. Um, look, we have a job to do. Um, and it's not just necessarily management. It, it's everybody. It, it's uh, Leash County Board. It's Leash team. It's Leash supporters. And it's management all together uh, driving driving as hard as we can. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly that's what I'll be doing, just pulling all of the strands together um, and then trying to maximise performances every single day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's obviously a brilliant appointment for Leash Cheddar. I'm delighted for you uh, personally. Obviously, the bad news for us here on the show is that um, you're not going to combine the two. I never thought that you would, if I'm being honest, Cheddar. So this is your last show for now. We never know what happens in the future. The door, the door, is, the door is always open for my most popular pundit. That's all I'm saying. Uh, no, look, it's been brilliant. Um, you know, I was, I'm amazed by the reach of the show, Willie, to be honest with you, and that's probably a credit to yourself. Um, and, you know, I really, really enjoyed meeting people along the way and, and uh, somebody bringing up a point that was discussed the previous week. It was only then that, that, that the power, I suppose, of radio and all of that came home to me. Um, but certainly some of the discussions that I would had with people at matches, you know, based maybe on something that was said on the show or something like that, I was surprised and really, really... Um, it was really, really good and, you know, met a lot of people along the way. So very thankful to be on the show um, and, uh, you know, certainly to be open again in the future, Wooly. Um, but I, I, I just, you know, I just don't think I'd be honest and real on the show and be able to comment properly on things while I'm involved myself. And I don't think it would be fair on other managers and other teams and it's certainly not fair on our own team and that as well. Um, so, look, that would be just my my uh, take on it. Other people might have a different view on it, uh, but I, I, that, that's where I would be. So, uh, thank you. Thanks to yourself and thanks to the, the listeners, um, you know, for the, the, I suppose, the good, good, good crack and the good sport and that in terms of commenting on games and that. And, um, you know, looking forward to getting down now and getting onto the field. Yeah, exactly. Brian, you're going to have to take up Cheddar's role now in disagreeing with 90% of the ideas I have. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a big boost to fill now, trying to fill Cheddar's <laughs> boost, let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, so, no, best of luck, Cheddar. Genuinely, any hurling people out there are delighted to see you go back in there with Leash. So, um, yeah, so hopefully uh, you drive it on again. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks. Right, lads, we'll, 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 move on to, we'll move on to the game here, lads. And I, I want to start off by talking about um, Liam McCarthy. So the, the winning captain, Brian, is going to lift the cup and then they have to hand the cup back and... My thoughts on this are that Jesus Christ, like is John Kiley or or is um, Liam Cal a twelve-year-old school child or are they grown adults that couldn't look after that cup for the bus journey home and make sure it, it you know, treated with with res- the responsibility needed? Yeah, and I think in fairness, I think those two cups in particular are probably they're treated, um, you know, almost like the Holy Grail. Um, you know, they're not bandied about like other cups can be on occasion because we often often heard the stories or where cups are filled um so you know you, ne- you never ever hear of the Lee McCarthy or the Sam Maguire actually being filled we'll start with Sam Maguire's too big anyway but um <laughs> uh you know I think there's utmost respect for these cups and I'd certainly agree with you from that perspective I understand the maybe the thought process behind not allowing the Cups um, to be brought back. But it is it is a pity, you know, that the players don't get an opportunity to maybe pose for pictures in the dressing room or wherever with their family with the actual Cup. I know I know the, the GA are saying that, and John Horn said last week um, on the Late Late Show, that the opportunity, please God, will arise next year, that the Cup will go down to the counties. But, you know, it's that immediate aftermath because... 
um, it, is a, it is a big part of it. You know, accepting the cup and having that cup to share for those photos does mean a lot to players. You know, if any time I've won the county final, you know, the pictures mean more when you've that cup in front of you. Um, and it adds, it adds to the whole experience. So it is a pity. Um, but I suppose uh, you can understand the GAs maybe call on it. But as you said, maybe a little bit more trust in, in the actual adults that we're dealing with here. Well, that's the thing, Cheddar. You understand the homecomings are banned and you can accept that. You know, but like, geez, having the, 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 the Lee McCarthy in the front of the bus as you drive home, I, th- I think that's, for me, it's a little bit too much. I don't know what you think. No, I agree. Um, look, clearly there's concern here. And, and clearly, um, GA headquarters were a little bit concerned about some of the optics after some of the matches earlier on in the year and certainly don't want that to happen now, particularly close to Christmas, and particularly after coming out of a lockdown. And I can understand that. But, but I'd say, you know, when you look at Limerick in 2018, they were very, very responsible about what they did with the Cup and, yeah. and, and, and that, you know. So like, there's, there's precedence there for one of the teams. Um, I'd say Watt will go pure crazy if they're to win on, on, at, at the weekend, and rightly so. Uh, but but nonetheless, um, you know, if you trust your county board to run the GAA within your c- county, well, then trust them to, to mine something like this. Um, and I do agree with Brian. I do I do think it's important. And it's a real, you know, this is... this. This All Ireland is going to be spoken about for years to come because of the nature of it. I mean, we're still talking about the Thunder and Lightning final. It was 1939 or whenever it was. We're going to be talking about the COVID All Ireland <laughs> final for years to come here. And, and it, it is a big thing. Um, and I just think that the, the GA, I think, should should have, you know, give the warnings about it. Uh, trust their county board people to look after this um, and do the right thing. And there's precedents there with Limerick. And I'm not saying that there wouldn't be with Waterford. I'm sure there would. Um, but in terms of actually looking after something like this and understanding the responsibilities that you have and understanding the responsibilities you have to Limerick supporters and, you know, wider public at large here, I think they'd fully understand it. And I think they would respect that. And um, I, I, I think it, it should have been, there, there should have been an alternative anyway, I think. Yeah, I think bringing the cup home is a big thing, which they won't be allowed to do. Come here, actually. What happened? Excuse my ignorance now on the hurling show. What happened in the Thunder and Lightning final? I look, it, it, it was that. It was a, a dreadful day. I, I obviously wasn't around to see it, Willie. It was 1939 <laughs> or something like that. Um, actually, um, I, I actually had a, um, um, a person or a family that I know their dad was involved in it so it does resonate with me um, but but clearly you know there's there's special circumstances as such that you remember the occasion maybe by the the environment around it and clearly the whole COVID uh, virus uh, you know has has wrapped up this cha- championship really um, and people will talk about that and and I think the fact that it's not anything that you know. It's neither of the teams of the big three that's in it, and it's you know it, it definitely um, has the you know I think the public, the hurling public at large, but even the wider public at large, the sort of neutral supporter um, is very interested in this game, and it will be a very very important game. And you know, clearly for Waterford, Waterford haven't won for whatever it is sixty years. Um, Limerick have had. Uh, you know, for a mad hurling county with you know huge um, impetus behind it, hasn't won a whole lot in terms of all Ireland. And, I, and when I say that, I'm very conscious of you know the county I'm from and, and saying that. Um, I was at the '73 final, um, and and you know they've won one since, and that is mad key into win another one. And this team, I think, and I, I actually like uh, where John has positioned this team psych- psychologically for the game on Sunday because they appear very hungry and determined for more. Um, so, you know, so this is a huge All Ireland for Limerick. Win it, and they could dominate 
hurling for the next four or five years. If Watford win it, they've, they've broken the glass ceiling to winning all Ireland and they could be dominant for a number of years. It is hugely important. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And it is a unique, unique year, Brian, like Cheddar mentioned. And you would look at it in a normal year and say John Kiley has the upper hand. He's been in an All-Ireland final. He's won it. Liam Cal hasn't done it at senior level. And then I was kind of was reading some comments from Liam Cal. He's obviously won 221 All-Irelands. He's won a minor All-Ireland. He's lost one on one minor All-Ireland. The minor All-Ireland he won in 16 to beat Limerick in it, you know, which probably would have been a good Limerick team based on their under his success. He says All-Ireland finals are finals whether they're minor under 21 or senior. The same butterflies are in players' bellies and, and your own as a manager or as a coach. And I suppose when you take the crowd out of it that wouldn't be there for underage, the county going absolutely crazy that wouldn't really be there as much at underage. Like Liam Cal is as experienced for a final like this probably as, as John Kiley is. I, I fully agree with your statement there, yeah, be honest. And, you know, he's 100% correct and he's as well saying that there is no difference in all in the final at any level. It's a huge, huge occasion. You're still managing a group of players and, you know, minors, under 20s, under 21s, they're young men and we all know that the age profile of, of senior teams has um, come down a lot as well. So, um, you know, he's he's very experienced. He's, he's a brilliant career to date. Um, but what I love most about his approach at Waterford is he has blown out of the water all the inhibitions that Waterford have, have had over the last number of years. They've forgotten about tradition. You know, they've, they've, they, that's no longer um, a burden on them. So, But their lack of success as a, as a county, a relative success, obviously, in All-Ireland, and the, coming up against bigger, more powerhouse teams like Cork and Kilkenny. Remember, they're the two teams that beaten this year. So I, I love the, the fact that that's not an issue to him and, and, and because it's not an issue to him it's not an issue to his players anymore um, and you know it, it, the same thing in terms of I know they don't have the crowds to deal with and, and not as huge a build up as, as normal but as a group of players and from listening to Liam Cal the way he speaks that the players aren't going to be inhibited by by the fact that Watford haven't won since 1959 so I love all those things you know he's very positive from that and um, you know that's that's liberating when you're a player. Um, I love the fact that he is the manager, the the main leader of the team, drives those things and doesn't allow those things to inhibit his players because they, they they do and they have happened to to not just Waterford but to many other teams as well. So I think there's power in that. I think there's real power um, in that approach. And I think uh, because of that, they're a very very dangerous team to be playing against this weekend. No, they, de- they definitely are. One other point here, Cheddar, is, and, and this has been sent to me by three or four different people this morning already, and it's a, it's, it's a programme from, I think it's an under-21 team back in 1997, the late 90s anyways, and th- th- if you look at the players, it's all players in around my age, Philip Maher, Eamon Corcoran, John Carroll, Liam Cal's at centre-forward on it, Eugene O'Neill is at full-forward, so you know all these names in this era. I think Liam Cal's probably a year older than me. In goals is Fergal Horgan. Now, Cheddar, Fergal Horgan got the semi-final, and I don't know if it work the same in hurling as football, but usually in football, if you get the semi-final, you kind of know, oh, shit, and it's the referee that hasn't got either semi-final is in line for the final. Is it unusual that an ex-teammate of Liam Cavs will get the semi-final that he's involved in and the final that he's involved in? Um, 
I don't know whether it's unusual, um, Willie, but you know, bear in mind, generally speaking, um, there's there's not a huge amount of successful outside managers, um, you know. So it just may not have happened, and the opportunity may not have been there. Um, I, look, I, I've commented on this a number of times before. I have no doubt that that Virgil Horgan will do the best he can here. Um, um, and, you know, not show bias to either side. But it's not ideal. Um, and sometimes, you know, reality versus perception. You know, it, it, it places huge pressure, I think, on Fergal. I yeah. think it's it's lucky that there's no crowds here because I think that would, that would you know, if crowds start to bay against you, I don't care how mentally strong you are and there's 80,000, you know, screaming down your neck, um, you know, it may influence you. Incidentally, um, Fergal is from, as you know, now, this is not the case anymore, but certainly in their playing days, Tipperary is divided in, into four uh, quarters. There's the Mid Championship, the North Championship, the South Championship, and the West Championship. And Fergal is, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is an Akavilla uh, Donaski Kickham's uh, club member, whereas um, Liam is, a, is, is in, the, and they're in, the, they're in the West, and Liam would have played in the South with Ballangari, and you know, even Mikey Bevans would have been played in the North with Toom. Um, so, you know, a number of years ago, uh, you, you wouldn't have crossed over that much in tip. You, I know you would, but not a huge amount. Um, so, so I think there's a couple of things like that in it. I, I think the, the, the pity. Sorry, there's one other issue about this that I think hasn't been spoken at all. Um, you know, the chairman of the referees association is Willie Barrett, the Tipperary man. I think he's from Arfinan. Um, You know, and it's just <laughs> in the sense, yeah. just in the sense of fairness and transparency and all of that. I'm not saying for a minute that, you know, in my view, Fergal Horgan is probably the best referee. And, and and I think the pity about it at the minute, Willie, is that they're at the top level of refereeing in Hurling is not as strong, I think, as it was maybe maybe seven, eight, ten years ago. And I think Fergal Horgan is a fantastic referee, love what he does, generally speaking, lets the game flow, has authority on the game and can and can and can instill that if he needs to. But I just think purely for fairness. And you know, bear in mind last year James McGrath walked away, sort of quit. Um, when the final was given to James Owens, you know, do you need that? That it's not ideal. Do you need that sort of thing going on? Um, I, I, I think uh, I'm not so sure if the referees committee or the referees development committee, if they actually select them. I actually think that they do, or there's actually some input into it. And I think Willie left himself a little bit open to all of those things as as well that he didn't need to do. I think, but but right. on the fine, on the on the on the crucial kind, you know, is is Fergal going to? favour um, you know, I'd be absolutely amazed if that's the case I, 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 but to be honest with you if I was um, Liam Cal I'd be probably more afraid that it is Fergal as refereeing because you might be just trying to show that there isn't bias and then just not maybe give the freeze that you know the the, the ones that are sort of 50-50 either one way or the other well, I'd well, probably be more concerned the other way that, that's the exact point, Cheddar. It's, this is not anything against Fergal Horgan, who will do it as well as he can. He could be unfair on Liam Cal. That's the point, Brian. He could overthink something because of the connection there. And is there a need for, for a referee with that connection doing it? Like the optics of it, the position of putting Fergal Horgan in, all those things, Brian. Yeah, um, I kind of I, I agree with almost all those points as well. I, I fully agree he's the best referee out there at the moment. Should it be as simplistic as he's the best? He's the best referee out there, so he gets the gig. Yeah. Um. In in a simple world, yes, that's the answer. But as we know, Irish society and the GEA in particular, we have obviously different ways of looking at things. And um, I I agree with Cheddar. The fact that there's not a crowd there actually um, will really help. You know, Fergal Hogan in terms of his performance on the day because we're all human and we're all we're all um, influenced by by the crowds when they're there. Um, 
maybe not in every single decision, but there are times, obviously, that you know maybe you let the game run when when he could pull freeze for, for other times and that. But like you know, it's unfortunate this is coming out maybe a couple of days before Dollar as well. I, I don't like to see that happen. We don't even know the relationship between Liam Cal and Rogan. Maybe they're not even on speaking terms. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, but we don't. That's, that's my point. You know, we don't know this, so it's a little bit unfair just because they're from the same county. That 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 is necessary. Well, no, they're exchanging. I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm saying for general, for the, for the general people out there, they'll imply that. Like, I just I know this is only a simple example, and it's not in all Ireland. But like, I I shared a house with a, an intercounty referee um, from Bor for a year and any time I've gone out and he's had a match he's probably been harder on me you know yeah. so that's why I take up with Cheddar as well at that point you know they, they tried to show that there was no bias whatsoever so um, you know it's 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 a very unfortunate situation and that's probably the final point I'd come in with and agree with Cheddar again is that this could all have been probably avoided by Willie Barrett by appointing a different referee yeah, I, I, yeah. All I'd say is it's just it's a little bit unusual, you know, and it's uh, it's it's definitely an interesting one. And geez, if Liam Sheedy's going to give out after the the Tipperary Galway game, like I mean, John Kiley could have a, a a fair enough gripe on Monday. I don't think that's the road John Kiley would ever go down. And look, hopefully, in fairness, I don't remember any big talking points coming out of the semi final that he refed against Kilkenny. Um, anyway, so our our mistakes that he made. So maybe we'll just move. Yeah, I don't I don't like the fact that it's been made an issue this week. You know, yeah. there was never an issue made of it before now. And I I know that somebody maybe on Twitter or whatever trying to stir this up the week of the All Ireland, and some people are that's the, that's what maybe gets them off. I don't know, but um, you know, it is unfortunate that it's coming out this week, and and there was no issue made of it for the semi final. He, he's very very careful. He's the best referee out there. I don't think it'll affect him. Um, and it's a pity that's even been been risen. Being honest, yeah, it's look, but it's, I, I, it's definitely worth mentioning, though, lads, right? No, I, I, I agree with Brian at this, but Brian, I think there's a further point, and you might have raised it in a couple of shows earlier, and maybe around that time that Dean Chimidi commented on that. I think the the um, they're appointing the referees or trying to move away from that, that it needs to be a Lencer referee or a conical referee or something like that. They want to base it purely on the competency of the referee and the fairness of the referee. Um, but I think it would be worthwhile if they come out and said that, that look, in the past, uh, to avoid any perceptions of, of bias or anything like that, we always went for this. We're, yeah. we're now looking at a different policy here. We are just going to pick the referee that we think is best for this job. Now, whether he's from the neighbouring county or wherever, it makes no difference. We trust that he is going to be independent in all of his decisions here and he's going to do the best he can for the All-Ireland. I think it would be worthwhile if that's the policy. Then everybody understands that and then, you know, there's no problem with something like this then. Yeah, no, that's okay. fair enough. Come here, come here, I want to talk about the water break, lads. And it's been well documented that Lim- Limerick are very good in the fourth quarter. And look, is that anything to do with the water break or do the best teams just, you know, finish out the game as well? It's hard to know. Stephen Frampton was doing um, some media at the Waterford Media Day and he says the obvious result of it is when the team going in um, and has momentum, hates to see the water break coming, and the other team are delighted to get the break and regather. We, among every other team, I'm sure, are trying to figure out how do we continue that momentum into the fourth quarter. And here's a theory I had on this cheddar, and, you know, it's like, this This would be like something Gerald Lucknan would have done back in the late 90s. So instead of, so say Waterford have a good third quarter, um, instead of going for the water break, why would they not stay out on the field, um, hold their positions, like a boxer not sitting down in between rounds, psychologically telling the other fella, look, I'm not even tired. I don't need to sit down. Would there, would there be something to do in something like that around the water break? Other fellas have suggested stay marking your man even when they walk over to <laughs> stay marking the Limerick lad even when they head over to get the, the water. Again, I'm, this this reminds me a lot of kind of Gerlach Nan type psychological warfare. 
Um, look, it's up to the other team to make use of it as well, um, Wooly. But the level of detail, the level of pre-planning before the game um, is such that you know, teams will, will know this and they will use it. And you actually, it may be your break to start with a different game plan or a slight tweak or your game plan or something like that. You get the team around you for one minute um, and you explain that. Incidentally, I saw a couple of teams in Kilkenny this year that when the break came, they just huddled in the middle of the field. Right. Now they had the, they had the puck out after that, so now you were putting pressure on the opposition. The minute the referee blew the whistle, they were back in position straight away, and your team was jogging out onto the field. So there was a little bit of tactical stuff going on that I have seen. Um, incidentally, the one about Stan Martin, man, that would be a really interesting one. So it would, and, and I'm not so sure that there's a law against it or. Sorry, I wouldn't really say bad. it is, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's a really interesting one. No, look, I I, I think I actually. Favorite. To be honest with you, I've said this a number of times on the show before. All managers do this anyway. It's just that it is not a formal break. Um, and, and provided that it's just for the minute, that it doesn't ramble on to two minutes, and then everybody gets restless and supporters get restless and fellas are sort of dragging, walking out onto the field and that type of thing. Um, incidentally, I mean, the first thing here is player safety about getting liquids on board and all of those things. That's the first thing. So there's, there's no argument about this while we still have COVID. But I, I think the GA probably should look at this again. You know, please God that this goes away and we get, we, we, you know, we get this thing sorted and all of that, and we and we don't need to do it because of the virus. I think the GA should look at this. I think it's, I actually think it's a good thing. Um, I know as a management team, we'd like to look at it. If you lose momentum, so you've had a chance yourself to get into the huddle here and actually reinstill momentum if that's what you want to do. Um, and that so you need to plan and manage all of those things. Um, I, I I think if a team is, is in, in the ascendancy in the third quarter and that ascendancy is turned upside down in the fourth quarter, well, you know, why didn't you do something about it when you had an opportunity to do it would be my view. You know, maybe you might be able to do it, but maybe it's a level of fitness that the other team has over you and that that's coming to the fore because, you know, the last 15 minutes are crucial. Generally speaking, they're fittest, quick, well-organized team. It's when you start to tire and pressure comes on, and and uh, you want to get rid of the ball rather than work the ball through the hands and all of that. That's when you see the mistakes happen. And then the, it could very well be something to do with fitness or something like that. Now that won't be the case on Sunday because we have two extremely fit and very quick teams. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. What do you what do you think, Brian? Do you think staying out in your position? I I didn't even think of it from a tactical point of view, Brian. That if you're out in your positions and say if it is your puck out. You know, move you moving from that puck out just as Limerick are walking back out into the field to try and find you and where you know what I mean. Where are you? I think there's an advantage to potentially staying out there. Obviously, if there's one or two of your players dying with the thirst, by all means, run to the sideline quickly, get it, and get back out there. Yeah, look, look, it's like everything. If it worked, it was the great best thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. of all. You know, and yeah. if it didn't work, you were in Egypt. You know, <laughs> what were you doing? So. Uh, it swings around about. I would probably disagree with Cheddar in that I would hate to see it come into the game on a permanent basis in that I know you're you're almost implying that there should be a timeout um, from a manager's perspective. So I think that's your manager cap probably on there. But probably from a supporter's perspective, I, I, I hate it. Um, so, so I'd like to obviously see, see it got rid of. I understand its need at the moment. We've discussed that already in a previous show. But yeah, look, it's like we've seen a couple of not, not like you know, not games and shit, but we've seen them probably a couple of um, times, especially when you're at the game. I've probably seen them more as commentator, where players have been slow to, to maybe amble onto the field, so they pretend they're getting a drink of water, they pretend they're going to the physio, and they're trying to find themselves in a load of space, 
and where the when the keeper has the ball from the book out, particularly when it's obviously their book out, that they're suddenly popping up somewhere that they shouldn't have been and unmarked. So it, that that's been very interesting to see. You know, I've seen I've seen uh, Mark Coleman do it for Cork and uh, Bonham Mar tried it for Tipperary against Galway. So there's but both times in fairness to the opposition, they picked them up and, and they got there just in time. So it is interesting that that kind of aspect has crept in, but no one has actually maybe actually got it through um, because of quick thinking on the opposition. So, there, you know, teams are aware of it. So, look, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I go back to my original point. No matter what you try, if it works, it's brilliant. And it's working for Limerick and Mormon because they're getting the chance to reset and to drive it home after that. But maybe it's a simple case of um, maybe they were going to drive it home anyway. So, you know, you just you just don't know. I think, you know, we'll get into the analysis in a minute. I think Waterford probably have learned a huge amount from that Limerick game earlier, um, earlier in the year in that Munster final. I think we'll see a, a different Waterford probably the weekend. Yeah, I never thought of that one, Brian. So, obviously, I was thinking of the advantage of the team staying out there. But if it's the other team's puck out that's taken the water break, yeah, they can just slink onto the field in different areas and, and actually, you know, maybe be in a position to take a puck out as well. It is a weird one where it stops when it does stop on puck outs. I think we talked about that before. Another quick one before we get into the analysis, Cheddar. I think we'll all agree on this, is that the Antrim and Kerry hurlers, they're not allowed to stay in Croke Park after the Joe McDonough Cup final um, to watch the All-Ireland final. Like, I mean, would one team in the upper deck of the Cusick stand and the other in the upper deck of the Hogan stand? For me, this is kind of a computer says no, owl bullshit that I hate. I hate the lack of common sense and to say, look, on this occasion, that's not going to do any harm. This is not a GEA decision that has to be pointed out. This is a government decision. Um, Alan Milton from the GEA said there was there has been no movement from the government in relation to families or spectators or indeed additional backroom team members attending. Because I know there's a lot of Limerick players and I see some of the, the Mayo players now as well asking for families to be there, which I think is a no-brainer as well, Cheddar. This is a government issue, not allowing it and kind of, you know, deciding that common sense is not going to be allowed. Um, I think once once it is Woolly, that the, then the show is over on it uh, because the GA is going to be dependent on the government, um, you know, in terms of even uh, financial support, maybe to run the twenty twenty one championship and that as well. And they certainly don't want to, to be the sporting organisation that kink, that kicks against. You know, bear in mind it's probably Enfet that that's given that advice ultimately. Um, so you're going against medical advice here, but practically. I don't know, Brian, but there's surely 30 or 40 private boxes all around uh, Croke Park that are not going to be used on Sunday. Yeah. If you wanted to put one player in every box and be seen to be so clear-cut about this, you could actually do it. Um, and to be honest with you, I think it would be nice if each of the players' families was was allocated the box. I'm sure there's enough of them there. There must be about 20 or 30 of them on one side and on the other side. Um, that you know, there, there could have been... It certainly could have been um, uh, worked through in a practical way and in a very safe way and, you know, have enough uh, sufficient medical people there to make sure that there was no messing about here. But look, once there's a government edict or issue on that, that's driven by the by the medical people, um, you have no choice. Um, and rightly so, I think, because I think if GA went out on a solar run on this, then they're wide open then to, to you know, an awful lot of pressure from a whole lot of people. Um, you know, we're lucky to get the championships 
uh, going here. I think uh, there's an awful lot of other things going on in society that's messing up, you know, what the government and what the medical people want to do to try and kill this virus. I don't think we should contribute to that. I fully understand uh, being, you know, you have an Anthem player coming down to Croke Park, you have a Kerry player coming up to play in a Joe McDonough uh, final. It's just absolutely brilliant to hear about it. But I just think that the circumstances are so risky if, if it's going against government advice and government uh, issued advice. I think it would be just too risky to do that. Ironically, Brian, they could go up to the hospitality sector, Kerry and Antrim, and sit down and have a socially distanced dinner and they could look out the window. But they couldn't socially distance sitting outside, sitting outside in the stand. You know, it doesn't fully add up. This is what frustrates me. I hate when common sense you're being think, you're being told to do something that makes no sense to you. And if you were to ask somebody why that is, they probably wouldn't even be able to give you the answer. It's just, it just it, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I agree with you on this one. It's like common sense is not common in this in this particular case. It is an absolute travesty, I think, to those Antrim and Kerry hurlers that they finally got got Joe McDonough final on the same day as the other and final. These players are finally getting their day in the sun. Obviously, it's a pity that there's no crowds here and it is the only reason it's on this day and not the minor final is because of COVID. I understand all those situations, but the final, when it was there, that they should have been allowed that. I've actually just Googled, there's eight, seven corporate boxes in in Crow Park. So we obviously have more than enough capacity to put maybe the families reach the players in in those corporate boxes and then obviously um, you know the two teams can sit you know the, the stadium's enough we don't need to explain that to come and socially distance it's absolutely ridiculous um, I mean it is, it is a pity even uh, the point made as well that you know, not even all the backroom traditional backroom team members are allowed to attend now because I know that for a fact Mark Bennett is the speed coach um Spin coach for for Waterford at the moment, and he's not allowed to attend because he's not one of the, you know, maybe the players that's involved in the warm up or whatever. So it is a pity he's been working with them all year, um, and won't be won't be able to attend the All Ireland final on Sunday. So that that's that's you know that to me isn't good enough. And you know I think the Desi Farrell and James Horn, you know, pointed that out at the weekend as well. It was probably more a more an opportunity to talk about it, but the you know the amount of backroom staff that's involved that training sessions and yet the team not not um it's not appropriate that they go to the matches. So it is it is a pity and I agree with you. Um it's one of those situations that you're just left scratching your head. You cannot understand the logic behind stopping them. Um it's the, it is the ultimate case of the computer says no. Yeah. Did did you say sprint coach? Yeah. yeah. Don't get me started on sprint coaches. They make you run in the most unnatural way. Like I mean, I don't even I could do a full show giving out about sprint coaches and fellas trying to make you oh don't talk to me. Anyways, I was fast enough. I didn't need someone trying to make me tear up the script at uh, uh, you, you didn't do it properly, trust me. <laughs> but you need uh, to be we, practicing we, this every you, night. You heard me raving about Martin Bennett before. I've given him a plug here. You you heard me raving about him before when he was involved with Uzi And if he could teach me how to run properly at 35, he can teach anyone how to run properly. <laughs> so simple. Maybe you have um, to, maybe you have to properly. There's a lot. The problem is, is there's a lot of spoofers out there and they make it sound so complicated and highfalutin um, how you run properly. And when you get taught how to do it properly, it's so simple. Right, okay. We'll leave it there. So we'll, get, we'll, we'll start talking about the match next. You can't touch this. A few weeks later, they played Kilkenny below Nolan Park. The same year, and oh, they were being hockey. But the camera went in and said, oh, there was a fellow warming up. Jesus, you should see him. <laughs> yeah, that fuck. He was massive. Legs, ass, belt. But I burst out laughing. <laughs> there he was, the epitome of what I said. <laughs> 
I told you, homeboy, you can't touch this. Yeah, that's how we living, and you know you can't touch this. Look at my eyes. All right, so Les Waterford Limerick first. We'll do a little bit on Kerry Antrim. Um, I want to start off with Liam Cahill, something he said. He says, we've played them already now, and we'd like to think that we've improved since then. I know Limerick will say the same, but we would like to think that we're gathering momentum week on week, and we look forward to going into the match ready to perform. Is there an argument, Cheddar, to be made that Waterford have improved more since the Munster final than Limerick have? Um. I think there probably is, yes. But on the flip side of that, um, I'd say that just Limerick just hasn't hit for him yet either. Um, and yet, they're, yet they've been winning matches reasonably comfortably. Um, you know, so so there's, 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 I suppose, some flip sides to that. I think there's a couple of really key issues, though. Um, and I just wanted to comment, um, I'll comment on those later on. Uh, but I think... Um, Look, Waterford, there's a couple of good things that have happened Waterford. They've had a settled team. Um, I think, you know, they've had very little changes in their team. I think maybe uh, even Kenny coming in for Shane Fires, which was an injury change, is probably the only change, or there's the only, the only real change I think, in their team. But they've had an opportunity in a very consistent period to have a settled team to improve incrementally game on game. And they certainly have. And, you know, they've finished the last half against Kenny with a fantastic performance. We'll comment on that later on. Um, so I, I think he has. Um, and I probably think that the, you know, the, the, the Limerick, well, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised about that, uh, the next point he's going to make, because the Limerick game plan is well known. Um, you know, so if, if Liam wasn't prepared for that on Munster final day, and he thinks he's going to be more prepared now, you'll probably ask, well, why wasn't he prepared on the Munster final day? But nonetheless, um, I think they've got confidence in their game momentum. And sometimes when you're top the ground like that, things flow for you. And, and uh, you know, things happen for you. You're in form. The team's in form. And, that, and things can happen for you. I think it might be a little bit more to do with that than maybe the approach they had against Limerick on that day. But they definitely learned some things against Limerick. There's no doubt about that. And I think Brian, Brian might allude to those later. Yeah, like, I mean, Declan Hannan has been talking, Brian, during the week, and he he puts it down to, he says, but then that's down to the massive intensity and work rate that brought, Waterford brought to the Munster final. Um, John Kiley said after the Munster final, we were probably just under an awful lot more pressure. When you're put under pressure like that, you're going to make mistakes. Tom Morrissey have been talking this week about the pressure Waterford put Limerick under. Like, I mean, it's all coming back to this same thing. Limerick's game plan, you know, the short, the short game, the moving it through the lines, that breaks down when they're put under serious pressure. And I know that sounds easy, go out and work hard and everything, but, you know, it's not as easy as it sounds. No, no, it's obviously not as easy as it sounds. And obviously you need a huge fitness level. But what I love about Liam Cal's statement there is how honest he is. Again, there's no... There's no beating around the bush. He says it exactly as he calls it. Like, um, you know, he he believes they've learned a lot from that game and they're a better place to to rattle this wall or limit team. So he's making this, you know, that's the key message driving home to these players. Apart from the fact that they clearly are a better team, um, he's making this. It's no longer Everest to beat this Limerick team. He's breaking them down that they're human. You know, when they did get among them and they made it difficult for them, you know, they troubled. Uh, Limerick, you know, Limerick put up their smallest score of the year that year. They only scored twenty five points in, in the in the Munster final. They're blowing all the other teams out of, out of the water by scoring thirty points plus. Um, so they've they've probably they've probably got to see that this this Limerick team actually they're men. They they bleed and same as any other men, and that they, it is actually achievable to beat this team. So I think that's again there's power in that, um, and these players believe that, and probably the. 
they looked like almost rabbit cotton headlights in that first half against against Kilkenny and they threw off the Shashlands in that second half and they just went for it. And you know, to score two sixteen from playing that second half against Kilkenny. Um and this is what I talked about earlier, you know, throwing off those inhibitions of tradition and not playing in all Ireland finals and losing to Kilkenny and regularly. They just got rid of all that. And I think that's what Liam Tal has probably been instilling these players mentally over the last couple of weeks and probably did in the needed aftermath of that Munster final as well. Um, you know, because Waterford, they were they were pretty good in the Munster final, but I wouldn't say they were even happy with their performance there. So, um, I think all that that psychology and mindset is not to be underestimated. Yeah, one big thing that the Waterford will have learned from the Munster final is their their puckouts malfunctioned. I suppose Waterford had twenty forty seven percent of their own puckouts in the Munster final, and Cheddar, I suppose they destroyed Kilkenny on their puckouts, especially in that second half. And to be fair, they destroyed them in the first half too. You had Stephen Bennett and Fagan, you know, breaking out to the wings, completely um, free, catching balls. And then you see a, an ang- an, a, a camera angle from behind the goal. And they're doing that kind of old school bunch in the middle and then break to the wings. And Kilkenny tactically were very naive on this one in that they man-marked them. And we know from years ago, even in hurling, we know it in Gaelic football a long time, even back with Anthony Nash with Cork and you had the Tipperary lads man-marking them and they were being dragged to right and left and if you man mark defender if you man mark the forwards you allow them to make space for each other it's often the fella who runs isn't a fella getting the ball is a decoy and someone else gets it anyways Limerick won't do that so Limerick won't follow the Waterford forwards they'll all stand in their in their traditional six positions and if you want to create space on the wing Dermot Burns is going to be standing on one wing and Kyle Hayes is going to be standing on the other wing so Waterford won't get anywhere near the amount of joy after puck outs and is it not fair to say that the puck outs was the whole basis for their domination of Kilkenny um, in the second half well the, the, the last point is important and it's very very surprising that Kilkenny were outdone in air games but that brings us to another point of Waterford Waterford, Waterford have a strong air game um, and you will need that against Limerick um, I think, look, first of all, the puckouts are hugely important now and retaining possession on, on your puckout um, and not just necessarily retaining possession, retaining possession in the critical areas where your next move is in score creation territory is really, really important. Um, and I thought, you know, Walford, uh, you know, I mean, Steve McKeith's a very, very experienced keeper and he's experienced with his backs and that and understands the moves and runs. And Lyric have been doing this for a while. Um, and I think that's one of the things that will break down either side. Um, who has done the best analysis of the puck out strategy of each team? Because even if, if that's, if you're now going back to, uh, you know, just drive it long, um, well, there's two fair half back lines here, all six foot three, four five. Uh, you know, putting it up in the air there, um, you know, might be the most clever thing to do. Um, so I, I think that's one of the things that I've started to mark that the puck out strategies for both teams and who wins them and whose puck out is, you know, is, is getting to better score creation territory than the other, I think might determine, you know, which team, you know, grabs momentum of the, of the game here. And Limericks, you know, there's a lot of. You know, Limerick is pretty well um, clear to people now what they do. You know, whether they want, whether whether they're trying to create the space or pull out the half hour and to put it over the top um, or or whatever. You know, teams know it. Um, you know, so have you rehearsed this? How you're going to defend that? 
win back possession, do the turnover. Bear in mind, um, one huge factor about Watford is their level of turnover. A lot of the statisticians would tell you that that's one of the key statistics about performance results. Um, their turnovers against Kenny was massive. Now, we you know whether Kenny lent themselves to that by starting being in the wrong place, wrong time sort of thing, or that I don't know. But Watford did it, particularly in the second half. And it's, you know, you're just going, I'm just, I want to stay on the puck out, but it's related to this. Um, you know, we talk about Waterford's physicality, but they actually go at you as well. So when they go at you, they're dragging you out, out of your shape. But, but they're, you know, they're, they're aggression in that middle third, and the committing of bodies to that middle third and winning the ball. It might be the antidote that puts Limerick under a bit of pressure. Um, you know, in terms of Limerick are very, very dependent on winning that first ball. And the next time you'll see it is probably a, a pop hand pass 10, 15 metres to a man on the burst. And now they've opened up this place in front of them. They've gone down the channels and now they're ready to do with the play what they want to do. If you break down that at source, um, and, you know, so I'd be very interested in looking at that on Sunday. And Watford have, you know, this is what they have done so far. And uh, maybe that's what Liam is, is, is alluding to. If we can raise the the intensity levels and the aggression levels, the physicality levels in that in that bare pit in the middle third, and we win more possession, we stop Limerick getting possession, and we keep the foot flat to the mat when we do that. Um, you know, are they the learning that they're going to take away from that monster final? Yeah, maybe it will. Just keep it on that water for puck out, Brian. Where where should Stephen O'Keefe be putting that right? Because if 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 the point is that Limerick won't man mark, so creating that space will be gone. You know, the, the half-back line, surely with those three big, huge men, um, might be out of the question. And then we know Limerick's full forward line drops a half a line and they'll want you to go to the full-back line and then they'll run down and mark. They'll stand off the half-back line. The kind of Hegarty, Morrissey and Keane Lynch will drop a bit off the half-back line, almost teasing you to go to the half-back line, which Ina Murphy went to sometimes. And if the, if the half-back line get it, but the, the the Limerick full forward line will turn out the field towards them and the half forward line will towards them, almost get you in a sandwich. So they, they, they kind of zonally have that whole middle area covered. Their half back line are monstrous. And if you go short to your full forward line, they'll run down and pressure, pressurise that. There, 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 there's very few options for a goalkeeper when they look out against them. Yeah, well, obviously, I think diversity of pokers is hugely important there. So obviously, they need movement um, from from their midfield, from their half forward line, even the half, I think every, every, all the players need to be presenting themselves and obviously Steve McKeith is very experienced and he knows what he needs to hit. But there's also an element of it's an All-Ireland final and sometimes you just need to hammer the hammer. We're talking about these Limerick players and this is what I'm getting back to in the mindset. I'm, I've been guilty of this myself. We build up this Limerick team as if they're actually phenomenal, like that they cannot be beaten at all and we can see that, you know, at times they are human. So I think, Liam Cal is very much a believer in that. Um, and I think that's exactly what he did with that uh, Watford team in the second half. I don't think that they suddenly had a massive puck-out strategy. I know this might sound mad at times, but he literally, Jack Fagan just went up and started catching ball. Like, it wasn't from a, a, a massive run or um, you know, a, a pre-planned puck-out. He just went up and won balls that he'd no right to win. And well, sometimes say, it takes uh, big yeah. players, players like that against big players. 
Like, I would say just sorry on that, Brian. You know, say Austin Gleason's point then at the start of the second half. That was definitely from half the pitch being left wide open, which wouldn't happen yeah. against Limerick. Well, that's my point. And my original point is you need diversity. So you don't, you can't stay poking every single ball down top of them. You're not going to win every single ball. So I think you just need. I don't think they should be afraid though, to not put any ball straight down the throat of that Limerick half back line either, because right. in in big games you need big players to stand up and win ball that no right to win or half one up to now. And I think Jack, that's what that's my point. Jack Fagan did that in the second half against Kilkenny he went up and he won ball he no right there. so that's not to be underestimated so sometimes we can we're trying to find so many different ways around it and, and, and they're, they're, you're getting away from it's a very very um, battle orientated game is hurling you know you win your own battle um, and the more of them you win obviously the better you're going to be as a team like, you know, I keep repeatedly saying this and you know, I, I don't think Waterford will be afraid to, to uh, front up to that at the weekend they're not going to hit every puck out long that would be madness but they won't be afraid to go after it at times either. Right. What do you think, uh, Cheddar? Can the likes of Austin Gleeson, Stephen Bennett, Jack Fagan and these fellas compete if they do go along? Because, like, I mean, I suppose they, they sent a few long in the fourth quarter in that Munster final and that was the downfall of them because that Limerick halfback line came into it then. Well, well, well look, you, you run the risk of giving the possession away. But, you know, Brian raises a good point. If you have, uh, you know, you only have five or six options and, and you're leaving it up to the goalkeeper to make the best decisions on those. Um, but, the, you know, the level of space you would have in Croke Park and the accuracy of, of players now to be able to ping the pass to hand on the move, um, it's quite difficult to either zonal mark or hedge between players or man mark or whatever. It's quite difficult just to close down everything. Um, and, uh, and I know Brian's absolutely right. You will not go with just one, with one or two things. You'll need to have a range of things that you're going to be able to pull in. Um, and whichever team is fully wired up to all of those, you know, in terms of the movement, the counter movement that's going on to create the space and all of those things, um, whichever team can figure out the opposition on that and, and neuter it, then you have a great chance to turn over ball. And it's a huge Philip to a team if you can turn over their puck outs particularly if they are tactically pucking out if you can turn that over and put it back over the bar to be honest with you it's worth more than the one point that you can get um, so uh, it, it's certainly going to be an area that's going to be very very interesting um, and you've got two good goalkeepers as well you know so it's going to be really really interesting The, the Limerick shape Brian I was just thinking has it evolved a little bit in the full forward line because I always remember when they won the All-Ireland they had Galan kind of on the edge of the square and then they might have had Flanagan and Mulcahy playing out in front of him. Do you know? So, like, I mean, and there was a lot of diagonal balls being put in. <clears throat> and then against Galway, because I was at the game, Mulcahy kind of went right out to the 45, and Seamus Flanagan and Galan stayed on the edge of the small square beside each other. So that was a clear kind of, you know, difference in that shape of the front three. I'm not sure why, why exactly they would want to uh, change it too much. But, you know, we probably don't see the same amount of diagonal ball going into the full forward line. And maybe that's just because the half forward line, like Hegarty, used to give a lot of them in. He's shooting a lot more now. Yeah, well, look, I think it's been quite well documented at this stage that they, they like to play one player out. The way they've gone over the last year or two is one player out and two inside. Um, and whoever that is, um, there's an element of rotation in that as well. Um, you often see them set up. Uh, with the tree across the line with their pokeouts, the opposition pokeout. But if it goes long, Graham Mulcahy takes off on his bike on more occasions than not, gets out into that middle third. And we've seen him through that to great effect actually in that monster final, particularly in that last quarter. He came out and he started to hurl a lot of ball as a withdrawn corner forward out around the, the half forward line. So um, I think, again, 
it's the, the dirt of options that Limerick have is what makes them so dangerous. We still don't know, obviously the team hasn't been named yet, we still don't know will Seamus Flanagan play or will it be Peter Casey? Will it be Graham McCarty dropped? I, I, I don't think he yeah. probably will be. They're probably, you know, because he didn't get a poke for the last day off Sean no. Loftus. Um, and Peter Casey came on and did the job. But again, that's, we talked about this before, that's what makes Limerick so strong is the depth of their panel. Um, so, you know, we're left wondering who's starting. You know, we obviously, Aaron Galan is supposed to have been um, in hospital for a night or two and he was called 50-50 a week ago. So you'd expect that he'll be okay. Um, obviously, we'd all hope he'd be okay to play in the Ireland. So, you know, Limerick, they, they, keep you, they keep you wondering. Now, if you look at their half-forward line, we do know Tom Morrissey and, da- and Gerard Hegarty will be two half-forwards. In the Munster final, Waterford actually went man-to-man and Kevin Moran followed Tom Morrissey everywhere he went and he did very well in them. he kept Tom Morrissey scoreless in that Munster final and, and did an excellent job in him uh, Callum Lyons went man to man on Groot Hegarty followed him everywhere and did really well probably up to that last water break Groot Hegarty started to hurl a lot more ball in the in the fourth quarter we'll call it so it's interesting and you know and we've said this too we don't know who the centre forward is going to be will the picking Lynch to hurl um, you know off off tight the Borca and try and get involved in a lot of play in that middle and dictate things from there. Um, you know, he, he's a great link man. He's able to take scores as well. Or will they look at an option of maybe trying to nullify, um, you know, tight the Borca in terms of actually putting a player standing on top of him? So it's very, very interesting. That's what makes Limerick so dangerous. They're very hard to call and they're not afraid to try things. No, they're definitely not afraid to try things. And Brian's right, Cheddar. We'll definitely see the two Waterford wing-backs following their men everywhere and Tyke de Burke sweeping. It is an interesting one Brian brings up and says, say if it is Keane Lynch, who's well able to play anywhere in the forward line, whenever you see Tyke de Burke dropping, why don't you just drop with him? Yeah, but it depends on your role itself. You know, can you go positive? Can you put uh, Keane Lynch uh, playing outside of the, the centre-back um, and engage their midfielders so they don't have a defensive midfielder in front of you? And similar to what Tim would have done with Noel McGrath uh, and walk the ball through there and keep you know keep a lot of space. These are the things that I'd actually love to be at the match um, and to be up in the stand looking down at it to be able to see, you know, what, what's actually going on here? What's given this team uh, the ability to get their... To, to, to get their hole in the game here. Um, but uh, uh, look, Ty, one thing about Ty DeBorough this year, he, he's always done this, but he's done it very effectively this year, is that when he gets the ball, he, he makes 20, 30 metres there very, very quickly. He's actually in scoring territory himself. Um, so you definitely cannot allow that to happen. You know, He might drop and, and be that uh, defender on the edge of the D to be able to attack the ball from there. Uh, but he's actually he's actually another he's actually added a little bit to his game by the ability to actually go from the half back line to midfield very very quickly and then be able to ping ball the space inside um, so there are all the things I think that that will have to think about but there's no doubt about it that Limerick have got to do something with the Burke if he is so such a big influence as he normally is in Watford uh, allowing him to be able to dictate that it certainly wouldn't make sense to me No definitely Shane Dowling was talking in the in the Limerick leader um, Brian and he was talking what Shane O'Neill did against um, Limerick is that they played the sweeper in one corner and JJ's mentioned this on the show before and I noticed this at the game but I didn't see it there enough to be commenting on it Padraig Mannion kind of played say if Limerick Flanagan and Galan were in close together Padraig Mannion just stayed right out like almost playing as a corner back not marking anyone obviously to cut off any of that space for Flanagan probably to run out into and then I was wondering is that a good thing to do or should a sweeper be stopping more dangerous ball going in front of the two lads? 
No, and I've seen Limerick and play that themselves. I've seen them do it against Clare when David Fitz was over Clare and he was playing a one-man, oh, yeah. like a two-man pull forward line. And it was actually Seamus Hickey was the player and he stood in that corner because obviously they're trying to leave, say for instance, they're leaving 15 free and it's they're leaving 15 free to be, to be able to, you know, make the space there. And it's it's not... The key thing to this, and you watch Limerick's movement, players never run in straight lines to the ball. So if, we, if, if they, for instance, have... Um, Aaron Galan and Graham Mulcahy inside I'm just using those two players um, and they're inside it'll never they'll never run out in a, in a straight direction that ball it'll always be go one way jink back and yeah. it, it's it's massive and we probably see that more in football obviously you're used to seeing that Woolly but you know this is probably I won't call it new territory in Hurling but like, you know it's, it's, it is it it is a an old school mindset you know to be to, to run in straight lines so that has certainly changed and so yeah, if you if you heard your sweeper stand in front of that, um, in that space, it really does nullify it and makes it a, a lot more difficult. But I suppose it comes down to the fact that Cheddar has already alluded to this. Space is there's a huge amount of space to go park and players are able to put it on, on on a pinpoint at this particular case. So, you know, we we also saw Galway did it to great effect in terms of Park Mannion nullifying that space for the full forward line and Limerick didn't have much joy out of their full forward line but they found they found other ways and I think again I, I've talked already about the, how dangerous what, or Limerick are it's the fact that so many of them can stand up and be match winners on day and Groot Hegarty and Tom Morrissey were those two players the last day chipping in with five, uh, four or five points each so you know it's it's massive scoring return from their half forward line when usually you're looking at the full forward line but look Galway a wider point than that Galway played a, a sweeper I think it it really did hamper them going forward. They only scored 10 points in play. Um, Limerick, even though people probably walked away from that saying Limerick didn't hurl well, they still scored 20 points in play and could have had a couple of goals as well. So Limerick are able to find ways around no matter what system you put in front of them at the moment. Um, and, and that's probably why, why they're the people's choices favourites. Yeah, well, that, that that's the thing. Like, I mean, Waterford only scored 12 points against them from play as well, Cheddar. Like, I mean, it is hard to score against uh, to score against this team. Uh, yes, uh, but you know earlier on in the in the championship, um, their full back line creaked a little bit. Um, you know maybe that's just inexperience. There was two, you know, there was actually two players in the full back line, not just one, uh, in terms of a change. Well, that's have steadied down since, um, and you know clearly I think Tipperary went after that um, in in that particular game. Um, but you know generally speaking, um, you know Limerick will play with seven defenders. They won't play with a sweeper or something like that. They'll have that ability to be able to link um, a defensive midfielder with a, an attacking midfielder um, and, you know, put you under pressure on both sides of the field. Um, but I, I just think that they're, you know, they're very, very experienced. They very understand one another very well. Even they've moved Kyle Hayes back as a wing back. That's another interesting uh, thing. You know, will, will they put Kyle Hayes up cent- back up centre forward again? There's a lot of options, as Brian says. Yeah. And they have done those options. And there's one other thing um, um, about John Kiley when players come in and play well he trusts them to play well um, and you know he trusts them and he leaves them there and you know you've got I, I can just imagine what the training and everything the next night would be like uh, which is not dissimilar to the sort of the mindset that Kenny had for 20 or 30 years under Brian that you know when you get your chance and you prove your work you're left there for the next day now that changed a little bit with Seamus Manning coming in the last day but they have uh, they play with a certain 
method. And I've said a number of times earlier on in the year that I would have thought at this stage, generally speaking, methods have shelf life for two or three years. And I would have thought at this stage that other teams would come with, that either neuter that method or come with something different that actually, you know, may, makes it very difficult to play against. And it just hasn't happened yet. Uh, um, and Limerick, I think, have changed their play a little bit. In the All-Ireland in 2018, their game so much centred about the runs that Seamus Flanagan made off the ball. Um, I, I actually remember the All-Ireland that that year and Paul Kinnerk had his arm around Seamus Flanagan on the opposite sideline to where he was standing. He ran around, he nearly actually walked him to where he wanted him to stand, um, obviously to take the, the, the goal of full back out of the play. Um, and I think through that year, uh, Brian is right, um, Aaron Galan was he, he certainly wasn't the spearhead that he has been this year and an all rather the ball that would be played to him yes it would be played to hand but it would be played outside him and it was very very difficult to defend against he's a very very strong player uh, but I think they've changed that Aaron Galan in some of the games this year has been the spearhead focal, focal point for their attack as such uh, with Dempsey and and and, uh, and um, the other very quick player started working off them as such and they have the ability to change those things around and make it very very difficult for you and I think that, that, that's one of their strong points Yeah exactly right lads you have to give you a prediction in a word Brian because I want to get a prediction on the Joe McDonough Cup uh, Limerick or Waterford? Um, my head says Limerick but the romantic in me says Waterford and I maybe I'm crazy but there's something brewing there that I just love. And, and again, maybe it's the romantic in me that I just love to see them do it so long since they've done it. And I love the way Lee Carl's going about his business. Uh, I can't believe I'm going against Limerick again. I've said all year I think Limerick will win the All-Ireland, but uh, I'm going to be a little bit romantic today coming up to Christmas and all that. Yeah, so you're, going for a, you're going to go for a Waterford Mayo double there altogether for the All-Ireland. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cheddar, I don't work. I, I don't gamble. So that's why I've, I've never. <laughs> Cheddar, in, in a word, quickly. Uh, gosh, um, I can't give you a word on it. Well, you could. Waterford have a lot of advantages. The fact that there's no crowd there, there's no build up, and all of that stuff that that seems to affect them. Um, I think the other thing that's important here is that it is Limerick they're playing. Because when you look back at '96 with Wexford and Clare and Offaly yourselves, Brian. Um, generally speaking, if you're not playing one of the top three in an all Ireland, you have a great chance of winning at Galway were the same a number of years ago. Um, they won't see Limerick as the same threat as in an all Ireland. Although they've beaten some of these teams, but in an all Ireland is different. I think it. It you know we, there's a lot of things here to consider, but there's one huge thing to consider. I think if 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 Watford start with the same intensity level and keep it up as they had in the second half and that they're able to you know, knock Limerick off their game they have a great chance but Limerick have won all their national hurling league games this year they're national hurling champions they're monster champions they're very aware that they've won one All-Ireland and they're very hungry to win another one I think I actually don't think they've hit full flow yet and I think if they do on Sunday and Galan is fit and all of that I just can't go past Limerick at the minute but I think it'll be just a pint or two wider way to be honest with you Right, okay. I, I, I can't see past Limerick either, lads, um, to be honest. Probably by six or seven. All right, Cheddar, Joe, Joe McDonough Cup. Brian had to go there. We heard his bell ring. And Joe McDonough Cup um, prediction. Antrim, Antrim versus Kerry. This is at one o'clock. Great occasion for them. Big team news here is that Neil McManus is back fit. I think it was in the league final he did his hamstring, missed everything. Um, now he's back for the final. Darren Gleeson um, said, he says, we'll have to look at this when he comes into training tonight, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday. He's going to get lots of opportunities to prove he's 100% right. And if someone like Neil is 100% right, it would be hard to leave him off. That's an understatement anyways. The Antrim have beaten Kerry three times already this year. 
all close enough games except for the the, the last one, which um, I think maybe Kerry were through already. The league final there was only two in it. Where do you see this one going? Um, look, Neil McManus has a huge bearing on this. He would walk onto any team in the country. We've said that before. Everybody knows that. Um, but, you know, it, it, it'd have to come in fit into it. This is obviously an uh, All-Ireland final, a Joe McDonough final. It's in Croke Park. Um, I, I just think that Antrim have improved. So have Kerry. Um, and Vincent O'Connor has done a brilliant job in Kerry and keeping them really competitive over a number of years, which is difficult to do, particularly in a football-oriented county. I think they've done a brilliant job there. Um, and clearly there's a great opportunity for them to win the Leicester Championship next year as well that they you know they know what's ahead of them here but I just think that Antrim have a little bit too much and I think if Neil McManus is right um, I, I think that they will it will be a court will be very close I think that National League final incidentally that National League or the Division 2A final if my memory serves me correct was a neutral territory in Tullamore I think the score was something like 222 or 223 to 220 so there was very little in it but they're high scores um, so look I, I, I just think Antrim uh, by a couple of Pints, but I don't want to make one other comment on that. I think now that the um, Joe McDonough is on before the senior um, All Ireland, I think that's the way it should be for future. Um, I think recognising the work that goes on in 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 all of these counties, and uh, you know, our, we were there ourselves at different times as well, and we were there last year. Putting on that before the showpiece senior is the right place for it, rather than a minor All Ireland with maybe the same teams that's playing in the senior. You know, what are you doing promoting? the strong counties to be strong. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely like some of these county boards to, you know, to start getting on the bandwagon about making sure that this Joe McDonough is always precedes the senior all Ireland, regardless of whether it's COVID year or whether it's not. Sorry, Cheddar, just on that there, I'm, I'm a bit torn on that because if that is played before the All-Ireland, the Joe McDonough winners don't have the opportunity to get back into the Lee McCarthy and Leash would never have beaten Dublin that day in a more park. I don't know, I'm torn on it. I love, see, I love seeing it before the All-Ireland but you're losing out on the other, you know, carrot of winning it and then re-entering the, the race. Well, 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 look, can you not work it the, the, the following year? You know, there's, there's surely some way around this that recognises it and, and gives you the opportunity then obviously to step up into the next next place after that. Um, I, I, I think, look, look at it creatively and something certainly can be done there. I would be certain. And I know, I mean, I was a supporter in Croke Park last year for Joe Mack again. Um, against Westmead um, other than yourselves in 2003 you know the leashes or the Anthem hurlers carry hurlers you know, don't have a huge amount of opportunities at playing there at that level um, and you know they're, they're special occasions for everybody and certainly something that those teams can actually build on let's figure out how the other team needs to get worked after that in my view but I just want to go back to that though I think I think it'll be a great game I think it'll be there are certainly two good teams two well prepared teams I think it'll be very very close but I think just Antrim at the minute have a little bit more cohesion about them and they have beaten Kerry recently as well um, and I think with, with Neil back it just gives you know, if he was back in full in full flight and to his full ability I think that would make it easier in terms of actually calling the winners yeah, exactly right. So you're going for Antrim, uh, Limerick, and Brian's going for Waterford. Uh, amazingly, right? We'll leave it there, Cheddar. I know you're under pressure with work as well. That's your last show, Cheddar. Best of luck with Leash. We'll hopefully get you back on the show after winning a few matches or whatever um, in the next couple of years. And like I said, the door's always open for you here on the show. So thanks very much. And we'll be back on Monday and we'll review the All Ireland final. So we'll talk to everybody then. Good luck. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, 
We're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Warford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. I let it go,